0: I thought the problem was my job but like the problem wasn't my job it was this lack of me knowing and being who I was and being in what I would say the truth of who I was and so it's really transformative because it's almost like you don't have to change all of your circumstances you just come into your own being and your own understanding and then like your life transforms and I've seen that happen for myself time and time again
1: it all begins by understanding the mind i want to be happy now i don't care about the future i want to be happy right now you are not alone you are never ever ever alone in this
0: to help my voice grow and giving me freedom to be creative
1: on my own i'm christina Barcy. welcome to be bold begin a podcast dedicated to you the creative the healer and the innovator The topics and conversations we have here are designed to help you discover what might be getting in your way and offer you tools, techniques, and guidance to move through them. I live in the imposter's body more than I live in my own body. I don't have to feel like I don't deserve this. This is where creativity and healing intersect. If you decide to be bold and begin, you have the opportunity to feel humbled and empowered. I totally believe that. I'm a certified Kaizen Muse creativity coach, a certified Reiki energy healer, and an entrepreneur, artist, and presenter. I will share with you my experiences, my proven tools and techniques that helped me and my clients and loved ones shift and expand in the areas they most desired. This is a gentle and open space where you will hear how others are being bold to encourage you to begin your own journey or expand the one you're on. This is Be Begin. Hi, and welcome back to People Be Begin. This is Barsi, your host. And I feel like I have to share something with you before we begin. And you may have heard me talk about this before, but there was a time in my life where I felt very stuck and very not enough, which led me to feel kind of lost and disconnected to my own truth. And figuring out even where to begin to look for some guidance was actually a huge part of my journey. But once I started to scratch away at some of my unuseful thinking and reveal some light and some new ways of thinking and approaching, things slowly but surely led me where I needed to go and eventually things did start to change in my life. And I'm sharing this with you because I really want to make it clear that change can take time and the path is usually a little windy, but it is worth it. And it does have to start with some sort of awareness and it is worth seeking the answers I know, you know, are inside of you. So I wanted to also start with a quote from my guest today before I introduce her. She says, your natural state is one of abundance, success, creative fulfillment, excitement, energy, and joy. You have unique gifts. When you use those gifts, you live a life of abundance and joy when you don't you live a life of hard work and struggle. That super resonated with me when I saw that on her website. Her website's beautiful, by the way. We'll put all of that in the show notes for you so you can check her out when you're done listening. But I want to say that it does sound really simple, the way she put that in some ways, but it is actually a very deep knowing, knowing that this is true and that sometimes it can feel complicated on the journey, but in actuality, it can be that simple. So my guest today is Kara Batar. She has had a similar journey to mine, I think, we're going to dig into that, in search for who she really is and how to put action to that authenticity and purpose to bring more fulfillment and joy into her life. She developed optimization programs for individuals to optimize who they are to live a more happy and fulfilled life. And I can't wait to dig into her story to learn more. So without further ado, welcome, Kara.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for that nice introduction. And thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here.
1: Yay. I'm happy you're here too. I'm happy you reached out. Your story just resonated with me. We talked a little bit before this, and it's why I started with my story in this episode because it feels like we might have some alignment there. And it also reminds me of an episode that we did a few weeks back with Ava Bautista Faust, where we are often these like high level women, right? We'll say the three of us are women, but it could be anyone where we're doing all these things in the world. We're very motivated, and there's some expectations that come with those outcomes. And sometimes those outcomes or those expectations aren't feeling the way we thought they would. And we start to wonder and ask questions like, what's missing? So that's what it was like for me as well. I didn't understand why something I was so passionate about, to me, it was at the time being an actor and not feeling good in the process anymore. And that's where my awareness started to peek through. So I know that you were a high-performance lawyer before, right? hmm Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was. To me, that's so impressive. But can you just take us through a little bit about your journey, who you are, just tell us anything, any background you want to share with us? And I'd love to hear more about your professional journey as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I do think our stories have some similarity. And I know that we're not the only ones. I think there's a lot of people who are feeling the same way as we are and having similar experiences. So I planned pretty much my whole life to be an attorney. Like when I was in middle school, I'd like the Harvard Law (laughs) sweatshirts on. And so I made this. Yeah. So this was a plan and a goal of mine since I was a child to become an attorney. And so I worked very hard to that end. Like I graduated summa cum laude from college, I published when I was in college. And then I went on to Duke Law on a scholarship. And then from there, I went to work at one of the largest law firms in the Southeast as a corporate litigator. So yeah, and so it was like I had worked and planned my whole life for this thing. And I finally got it. And I had for an attorney, this great job. I was making a lot of money and I was doing what I considered meaningful work. And I think, you know, when we think of corporate law firms, we might not think of meaningful work, but corporate law firms, they actually, they have a lot of money. And what they do is they give a lot of that money back to the community. So in addition to doing corporate law work, which was very significant work in kind of the legal field, I also did a lot of pro bono work for victims of domestic violence. Wow. Yeah, I was eventually named the head of our domestic violence pro bono project at our firm, which was quite a large project. So... I have this, you know, this really good job, and on top of that, I really appreciated the people I worked with. I respected them. I felt respected and appreciated by them. So I think people, again, they have these kind of ideas of oh, big law firm, big corporate law firm. It's like cold, and no, <laughs> I mean I, these are people. Like they're people in those law firms. You know what I mean? And I came to really care about those people, and I felt like they wow. really respected me. And I worked there for a number of years, so I gained their respect. I had everything that I. That I wanted, and you know, I had this cute little house in the city that I bought, and you know, it was just like I had this beautiful wardrobe, and I could go on beautiful vacations, and like all the things. Wow! But even though I had all of this, I was unhappy. I would say, like, deeply unhappy, and I did not know why. I just kept kind of looking at my life, being like, "Well, I should be happy," Mm -hmm. and I didn't feel fulfilled. It was like I was doing work that on paper was meaningful. And I'd have these clients, especially with the pro bono work I did, just be so incredibly appreciative of me and of my work and how I helped them. And it was like I felt kind of Mm -hmm. like nothing. It was this really fascinating thing. And so eventually, I did end up leaving that job. And it was an incredibly hard
1: decision for me. It took me, quite frankly, years to finally get up the courage to do it. Can you actually give us a sense of the timeline? I think that really helps understand like what this journey is like, that it's like, okay, I realized I was unfulfilled and then I quit, which is what happened. But like you said, it it was something you probably wrestled with for quite a while. And it seems like you're at this job for a number of of years. Can you tell us how long you were there and then how long it took for you from realization point to actually make something happen for yourself?
0: I left in my sixth year of practice I was on an eight-year partnership track, so it was two years removed from when I'd be up for a partner. So it was a, yeah, big law firms, they do have a good turnover rate because even though I said all these very positive things about it, to be clear, it's a very high-pressure, high-stress job. For sure. So, I mean, there is a kind of a roughness to it that takes a certain person to kind of stick with it and to be able to stay with it. But yeah, so I was in my sixth year of practice, and my first year at the firm, I was so busy and it was so new that I wouldn't say I was really unhappy. I wasn't. It was just like all this new stuff coming at me. I was just totally busy with it. But then as I started to get more into like the swing of things and everything wasn't so new, and I started to kind of get my bearings and it, started to be like, okay, I can do this, and this is what I do, and it's kind of this more normal kind of existence for me. It was maybe two years in that I really was like, I'm really not happy. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And yeah, I considered leaving probably even after my first year. I just like I had this great job and was making all this money. I like I had everything that I thought I wanted. And I just kept telling myself, no, I should be happy.
1: Yeah. And how hard is it to justify to other people too, and justify it to yourself leaving once you finally Quote unquote, achieved your life goal, it seems, that you've been working towards since you were young.
0: I would like kind of beat up on myself in a way like, no, I should be happy. I need to make this work. And so that's what I did. I did everything I possibly could to make that work, like have some level of like feeling good about myself and about the job. You know, even while I was working, I did all sorts of things like I didn't have that much time to do them. But anytime I had an opportunity, it would be like, I'm going to go get this treatment there, try this new healing modality here or listen to this person here, read this book here, you know, whatever it was, I was constantly trying to make everything work and make myself stay there. And so it quite frankly, it took me years to get up the courage to do it. Because the thing was, I worked at a big firm, they had a lot of connections, I had a great resume. So if I wanted to get another job in the law field, I could have. Mm. But I felt like if I was going to leave that job, I was just going to leave. And I didn't know what was going to be ahead of me because it was like there was a part of me that kind of blamed the job because it was so high stress and high pressure. But there was this other part of me that was like, if I just go to another job, it's going to be different faces, different places, but I'm going to feel the same. Mm -hmm. So the hard thing for me was like, I felt like if I leave this job, I'm just leaving and I don't know what is ahead of me. I don't know what I'm going to do. And for someone who had a plan their whole, (laughs) pretty much their whole life, you know, walking away from something with no plan, that fear stopped me for a number of years from leaving, basically. And when I did finally make the decision to do it, it was like I just kind of got to the point where it's like something has to change. And this is the biggest thing in my life. So I think this is a thing that needs to, like, change. I still remember the day I put in my notice. Like I remember exactly how I felt sitting at my desk. I remember what I was wearing. I remember getting up and like walking down the hall and it feeling like this out of body experience <laughs> and sitting in the partner's office and telling him like, it was not like I was just like, I'm leaving and I feel so confident about it. And no, I was, I was so scared to leave. And I had so many doubts about leaving. And I felt really conflicted about it. But then there was a part of me that was like, something has to change in your life. And there was a part of me, too, that was like, there's something I need to know here that I'm not knowing now, I'm not seeing now, and I need to find it out and need to figure it
1: out. So Mm
0: -hmm. it wasn't easy, and it took me a long time. Well, thank you
1: for sharing that. And those parts of our lives can be really hard to go back to in detail like that. So I appreciate you for doing that for us. Did anyone try to talk you back into it when you... in your notice in the firm?
0: So interestingly enough, I did a year before I actually put in my notice, I told one of the partners, I was was really unhappy. And I just, I feel like it might be this job. You know, I mean, I Mm -hmm. feel like I might need to leave this job. And it was kind of like, you're a really good attorney, you've worked your whole life for this. And we want to keep you here. What will it take to keep you? And I was not expecting that at all, especially from like a big corporate kind of law firm where people are just trying to get, you know, everyone's like wanting those jobs. And then for them to basically be like, what is it going to take to keep you? I never expected that. So, of course, I'm feeling totally flattered by this. And so I stayed. And again, from outward appearances, things looked so good. Like outward appearances, it looked like I was doing this great job and I was like, I was happy. And we were supposed to have a conversation about me, like kind of the extra things I could do. Cause it's like, okay, you've stayed, now you're kind of good, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then I just ended up straight up being like, nope, I'm actually going to leave.
1: So it took a couple of times. It did, actually. It did. It took a
0: couple of times. And, you know, again, I think part of me knew, I do think part of me knew that I was going to leave that job, but it took a couple times.
1: (laughs) I think we all have, well, maybe not all of us, but we all have the possibility to have this realization in our lives of what might need to happen next, because we all have that knowing. It's just a matter of what it takes for each of us to create action for that knowing, and how certain we know that the next thing needs to happen, even if we don't know what that next thing is. Right. I quit my job, of course, on Labor Day weekend because I'm <laughs> I'm an artist, and <laughs> that metaphor <laughs> that metaphor worked for me. But it just hit me one day in a car on the way to work. I was like, "Oh, today's the day I quit." <laughs> hmm. Interesting. And I waited a year. I had the knowing a year before as well. So I I guess somehow I knew you had a similar story there. So thank you for answering that question, honestly. And I waited for a more knowing moment, even if I didn't know exactly what I was going to do next either. I didn't like save my money forever. I had a short runway for most people compared to people who plan for, you know, starting a business or whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like. And so I relate to that. That's why I'm sharing that. I do relate to the... Well, I did it. Now what? Like, let's see.
0: I mean, again, people leave jobs and people left the firm I was at. Many people left while I was there, but they had like a plan. It's like, I'm leaving and I'm going to go to this job here. And it was like, no, I'm just, I'm just going to leave. I mean, maybe there's somebody else who's done that in the history of the firm. I don't know (laughs) if anyone has. You know, it's just like, no, I'm just, I'm just going to leave. It's like, do you have a plan? Nope. I'm just, I'm going to (laughs) leave.
1: Well, that's a good point. It's probably really unique for, and not to categorize, but for someone who goes on a path like yours, which has so many steps and is so stressful and has got a lot of moving parts to maintain that path, even when you're on it, for someone to walk away because they're listening to their heart without making a linear move is probably extremely rare and unique. So yeah, I like that you pointed that out because I find it interesting the people I know in my life who are similar to you where they are executives or they are lawyers or they are, you know, working in what we consider like high-level corporate jobs and they have these connections they make with themselves that we may think are uncharacteristic, but like you said, everyone at the firm was a human who cared about other humans. And we don't think about a lot of these things that way, because we interact with these brands as a consumer, or we see it on television or media or whatever our glossy view is of this. But at the end of the day, there's people doing that work. And it makes sense to me that there are other connections that I bet if you shared this with someone at your firm, they'd probably relate to you on some level, or they would wonder about themselves.
0: I like that you kind of reiterated that because, you know, we haven't gotten into, you know, what I'm doing now and what I ended up doing. But to me, so when I was at the firm in the morning, I'd go into the firm, I'd be like, you know, good morning, how are you? And it would be like, live the dream, like this kind of sarcastic <laughs> thing, you know? Right. And I was just like, but I want to live the dream. Like, I want to live the dream. Like, I worked really hard to get here. Like, I want to live the dream. And I'm looking at these other people that I'm working with, and I'm thinking, you are such exceptional people. You know, you've worked so hard to get here and you're so disciplined. And I know, again, people have kind of concepts of lawyers, but the people that I worked with, they really had such integrity, most of them, mm-hmm. in what they did. And they were doing it with such a, like, they wanted to really help people. They wanted to, like, do something that was, like, I don't know, noble or whatever you want to call it. They had these really good, like, intentions. I know this isn't just the people I worked with. I know this is people. And mm-hmm. to me, it was just, like, This biggest travesty that we've got these people who have, you know, worked so hard and given so much and who are so exceptional. And I'm not saying just like lawyers are exceptional. I think people generally are exceptional. But it's like I'm looking at them and I'm looking at myself and I'm like, I want those things. I want to be passionate about life. I want to be energized by life. I want to be, you know, living the dream. Like I want all of those things. And to me, it was just like a travesty. Because you think, too, like for me in my little world, I thought, well, once I make it to this point, once I get there, like I worked really, really hard to get there. And I thought, once I get there, then I'll be happy. I didn't love law school. I was not one of those people who loved law school. That just wasn't me. It was kind of something that I was trying to get through. It was the same with college. Everything I looked at is just, I'm going to get through this thing and I'm going to work really hard so I can get this. And once I get this, then, then I'll be happy because these are what we're told. Right. Like you get all these things like go out, get all these things and then you're going to like be happy and then you're going to feel good and then you're going to feel valuable and worthy and all the things. And so, yeah, it was just such a travesty to me. Like, I want us all to like live. This is like our life. Like This is our opportunity here. Like I want us all to live the dream.
1: Right. To feel the dream. Right. Mm Because you. You met all your goals. All of those people met their goals. Yeah. And I'm really glad you brought it up because I wanted to ask a question around this about just sort of the goal-centric way that we're taught to live life versus the process of life and tapping into what we're going to get into next. We're going to shift soon because I want to hear how you created what you created and how you got to that point. But I think it's important to touch on this because this is like the hinge of all the things. We switch to a high level, right? We are taught that step-by-step which is part of a process, right? Step-by-step will get you to the thing. But then what happens once you have the thing? There's another thing, usually. Those moments, I forget, there's like the brain science behind how long the feeling is when you meet a goal. And it's only a few minutes, Mm. actually.
0: Interesting. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Don't quote me on those numbers, but I know it's a short period of time where you don't feel that fulfillment for very long. It dissipates pretty quickly unless you have some of that other fulfillment work going on where you could feel that way every day throughout your day if you have a practice around that. But if we are putting all of the weight on our big, big life dream goals, That's heavy, and that's a lot of burden for the goal. (laughs) Because then you get to it, and it's like, great, you're not delivering on what you said you would give me life goal. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, now what? You know, like this doesn't look the way I was told it's supposed to look and feel. And that is something that blew my mind when I started to really break that down in my own life. Like, oh, like. I have these things, but it's not the things that are going to bring me the feelings I want. I have to generate those for myself somehow. Mm -hmm. And how do I start to do that? Even love, like it's very hard to to have someone else has to love themselves, to love you the way you feel like you deserve to be loved and vice versa. And I feel like that's the philosophy, actually, the foundation behind all of this. So I'm going to I went very macro. We're going to go back to the micro a little bit. So thank you for. Just touching on that, on looking around and seeing everyone who met their goals and they're like living the dream. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've been in environments like that too, or that's what we say, where we're making lots of money and all of the things and it's just like, I don't know. This is what we're doing, I guess. we we're here together at least.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that really is. And I even I remember talking to one of my colleagues and I was just like, But are you like, you know, excited about coming to work? Are you and he was just like, No he's mm. like, listen, like, we make good money, and we have these really good jobs. And this is just what life is. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just what this- life is. Like, we have it better than most. And again, I mean, that just like sucked the life out of me. Like, what?
1: The sort of like just acceptance of... It's
0: like this very low bar for these people who are at very high levels, right? I mean, these people right. have worked like, to work at the law firm I worked, I mean, this colleague of mine, he went to Harvard, you know, yeah. so it's like these very high goals, and they reach these goals, but then it's like this low bar in a sense of how they should actually feel. It's so so mm-hmm. fascinating, such a
1: fascinating thing. It is. Do you think this is connected to ego? All of the things that you won in life, right? Not you, but anyone, any one of us, when we meet the goals that we set out to meet, it's like you kind of win that part of your life a little bit. And the people around you recognize that because societies agree that those are worthy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel like our ego attaches to that and goes, okay, thank you. Like, I want more of that, what you think is worthy. So that makes me worthy. And I think it's like shifting out of that is can be really hard.
0: Absolutely. And it's a confused state is what it is, because it's like I had this internal, like, lack of feeling valuable right and i think we're basically taught that we're taught value comes from outside of us and so then people go out and they try to get the value and they think the only way they can get it is from these things that are outside of them and they want to feel that valuable and they know that's their true state because it is but it's like they're using the wrong thing mm. to get it like they're looking okay. to the thing to get it from that they're never actually going to get it from <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. But then it's like you want to keep getting because I want to get it from somewhere. And it's like I have to keep doing these things and keep getting the thing. And that leads so perfectly into
1: what happened to me after I left. Okay, please share. And thank you for clarifying that part that was really clearly put. Yeah. So after I left my job,
0: I didn't have complete clarity here, right? Like I didn't know why I was so unhappy. I thought it might be my job. I kind of blamed my job. But then there was part of me that was like something else is going on, you know? which is why I didn't just pick up a new job. But there was this part of me that was like, you know, give me two weeks away from this job and I'll figure something out. Because it was so high stress, it was so high pressure. So it was like, give me two weeks away from this job, I'll figure something out. (laughs) I could not have been more wrong about this. So, (laughs) I mean, at the same time though, I was like afraid. I was like, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna have nothing to do. But then there was a part of me that was like, give me a little bit of time and I'll figure things out. So I left and... After I left, it was like I just completely, like, crashed. Like, I realized I was not in a good state of health. I had basically been operating on adrenaline for years. And when that adrenaline went away, it was like I just crashed. Like, everything in my body ached. And it was like I had these health issues while I was working. They seemed to get, like, exacerbated. And I felt so tired and so out of it. It was, like, hard to drive. Like, to go from functioning at this super high level to feeling like I can't drive somewhere was shocking. The thing that surprised me the most, and this is kind of what we were just talking about, was that you would think that I could look back on my life and look at all of the things I had done and all of the things I had accomplished and look at my resume and be like, okay, I did all those things. I feel good about myself, right? Like I'm not doing them now, but I did them. I know I can do them so I can feel good about myself. But what ended up happening was I felt completely and utterly terrible about myself. I felt completely worthless. It was like the fact that I did all those things, it didn't matter at all. Mm -hmm. It was like when that job went away, it was like every like shred I felt like a value that I had went with it, which surprised me. I didn't really see that coming. And once that happened, I realized, like, I have a lot here to figure out because I felt so terrible about myself. I had worked my and planned my whole life for these things, thinking that that was going to give my life meaning and that was going to give me value Or even just the fact that I could, in fact, do those things would give me some level of value. And then to realize that I felt completely worthless. So both of those things, like how my health was, and also the fact that I felt worse than I did when I was working. Mm -hmm. It really showed me like, okay, I have a lot to figure out
1: here. That must have felt devastating at the time.
0: At the time, it did. Yeah. And two, of course, it wasn't like I just left that job in this state of like, oh, I'm making such a good decision here. I'm just going to like leave this job. Like I didn't. I wasn't sure what the right thing to do was. And so then, of course, when I leave and I feel so terrible, it makes me question the decision. Like, oh my goodness, maybe I made a wrong decision here.
1: So how did you work through that? Did you spend time working on your health, your body health first? Or I'm just curious what that was like for you. Or did you just pause and just Live in that feeling for a period of time. Sometimes we need to do that first.
0: Yeah, I didn't pause. I was like, this feels terrible. (laughs) This needs to stop. What I did is I basically said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend all of my time figuring things out. And so I'm going to read as much as I can, research as much as I can. What I did is I saw all these different types of healers and practitioners. And I took all of these courses and I did all sorts of things for my health, like cleanses and colonics and saunas and float tanks. And like, I was just constantly reading. What can I do to help my health? What can I do to help myself? Trying to figure out why I felt so bad. And so what I did is I basically made it my full-time job. Like this is what I'm doing. And to that end, what I did too is as I would go see these different practitioners or learn about these different modalities, I went and I trained in a number of them. And I became you know certified to practice them myself. And I would you know practice them for a little bit here, a little bit there. And so I... Like, like what? I'm sorry to slow you down. I'm
1: curious no, sure. what you got certified in.
0: So I became a Reiki master. I became a certified theta healing practitioner and a certified... Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Splunkna. It's a little bit different.
1: I haven't heard of last two, I don't think. So
0: they're both very similar in that they use slightly different modalities, but they basically say like, okay, you've got these beliefs that you took on when you were a child, they're in your subconscious. And so you need to go in, figure out how those came about, figure out what they are, and then replace them with a new belief. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's basically
1: what that. That sounds very useful. Mm-hmm. Was becoming a practitioner with some of these things helping you, or were you just on to the next, trying to find more things to add to the arsenal?
0: I did stick with them to the sense that I really felt like I wanted to know if they worked. And so, like before I became a Reiki practitioner, I had gotten Reiki for years, you know. And before I became a Theta healing practitioner, I got a lot of Theta healing treatments, and so it was just this kind of. Same with the Splunkna. It was like just me trying to understand more and more about the modality, understand more and more about myself. But interestingly enough, after I had kind of been on this, this kind of journey or this path, whatever you want to call it, for about a year and a half, I actually felt worse than uh, I did no. Yeah, when I was working. And on top of it, my health was worse. Like in significant ways. Oh my. Yeah. So this was some of I would say my darkest moments of my life, because now I have spent a year and a half of making this my full time job. And like, when I say I'm going to make something my full time job, I actually do that. It's not like I was like laying around on the couch, like watching movies, like none of this, like I really this was like, all I did in my day was like, do this stuff. And so I really was at the point where I was like, what I'm searching for does not exist. Like, this is what life is. It's this kind of mediocre existence. Like, that's what life is. And it was not a good time for me. Thankfully, though, what ended up happening was one day I tried a kundalini yoga class. And I had never heard of kundalini yoga. Didn't know what it was. I had done yoga for years. I had done yoga all through when I was working in law school. And again, this was at, like, you know, kind of my darkest time. And I remember that first class that I took. And I remember after the class, I felt different. And so I kept doing it. I was like, I feel different. Something has shifted in me after this class. And so I kept doing it. And the more I kept doing kundalini yoga, like my body stopped aching. I started to feel better. I started to feel more energized. I started to feel more clear-minded. And I started to feel inspired And I started to feel for the first time, actually like worthy in and of myself. And so it was a major turning point for me, but it did take me like a year and a half to get to
1: that point. You did a lot of searching. I did. And <laughs> modalities and modality testing. I did. It sounds like you needed to just find the right one for you specifically, mm-hmm. which I actually really like that you said that because there's so many types of ways we can heal ourselves and help ourselves and some work together, some but it's really different for everyone because we are experiencing our bodies differently and our lives differently and there's lots of things to do so i'm really glad you found it can you define for us what kundalini yoga is
0: yeah so kundalini yoga it's a little bit different from so what most people see in like a yoga class is what's called hatha yoga so generally speaking kundalini yoga is certainly more available on like the west coast i'm on the east coast so yeah we do have it here we on do, the west coast yeah. but, but hatha yoga is like more focused on postures and poses And what Kundalini Yoga does is Kundalini Yoga, it is, there are postures and poses, but it also uses a number of breathing techniques. It uses eye positions, it uses hand positions, it uses sound currents. So it uses a lot of mantra and it uses Mm -hmm. meditation. And so it uses all of these in one practice. And so What it does is it's working on the physical body and it's working critical systems of the physical body like the nervous system, the glandular system, the circulatory system, the immune system. And so for someone like me, I didn't realize it. I actually had an imbalanced nervous system. And so this really helped my nervous system like kind of come into balance, which that's a whole kind of another separate topic. But kundalini yoga also works on the mind so it works to bring forth clarity of mind. It works to bring forth like your ability to consciously control your mind. It also works on an emotional level. So dealing with like helping to release suppressed emotions, dealing with current emotions. And that's something that really benefited me. And it also works on an energetic level. So when we're dealing with like the chakras and the the electromagnetic field. So if I were to kind of my kind of take on Kundalini Yoga is it offers a lot of bang for the buck. Yeah. because you're getting all of this in one practice. And so that's how it might look a little bit different. And if you actually watch the physical practice, it does look quite different from maybe what most people are used to seeing in a yoga studio, it does look different. Yeah, I actually didn't know
1: it included all of that. I've mm. seen kundalini breath work workshops and things like mm. that, where we didn't do the yoga part. So I was curious too for myself exactly what it was. And I didn't realize it was so integrated. It just it hits all the things. It's, it does. I,
0: I, it, <laughs> it checks all the boxes. And so I mean, obviously, it was changing my life. And so of course, I want to know more about it. So then I went and got certified to teach it not to teach it, just yeah, I was like, I need to know more. about this is like what I do. I need to know more, more about this. And the more I learned about it, the more I was like, oh, now I understand why it's helping me so much. I understand why it's having the impact that it's having. And it's given me such a deeper understanding of my own body and kind of how I function. Mm-hmm. And I I love the practice because I just think, you know, as someone who was so busy as an attorney, what a great thing to have. Like you can get all of this in one practice, just kind of knock it all out
1: and it works. So... Wow. Is it something that you have to do like as a process? Like over time, more things start to heal. I'm assuming it seems like you had a shift right away in your first experience of it. Is that usual or was that something that just clicked for you? It is cumulative, of course. So the more you do it, the more you're going to
0: benefit. But I do think that even after one class, you're going to feel somewhat like generally speaking, a lot of people that I've even talked to they notice they feel good after the class. Mm. So but of course, yes, it's it's cumulative. The cool thing about it is, though, there are practices in kundalini yoga that you can do in three minutes, like you can do in three minutes. And there's this practice called fist of anger. (laughs) And this practice helps release, like suppressed emotions. And it's it's a three minute practice oh my goodness, I mean, you do this practice for three minutes, like you're going to feel different, especially if you're doing it for three minutes a day. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I would say it's, and the way I currently use Kundalini Yoga is I do teach classes, but I also understand that people are really busy And they have a lot going on. And of course, I believe in committing to things that will help you. But at the same time, I understand people are really busy. And so how I kind of utilize it also is I'll just do this three-minute practice. Like take this three-minute practice, do this three-minute practice, do it for seven days and see how you feel.
1: Is that something you can describe? Would it make sense if you described it right now?
0: The fists of anger? Sure. Yeah. yeah, I'll describe Pittsburgh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I was kind of going through all the stuff, I was going through, two different practitioners told me they said, "Do you know what your problem is?" They said, "You're angry." Oh I was like, God. "I'm definitely not angry. Like maybe sad, maybe whatever." I was like, "But I'm definitely not angry." It, that just was so shocking to me. Like, I'm not angry. Kidding me? You know, <laughs> I'm like just not. That's just not my personality. That's just. But two different practitioners tell me this, and both of them said, go and like scream into a pillow or go and um, break something, right? And so I did those things, but I didn't feel like they really offered any benefit. But the interesting thing too was when one of those practitioners said that to me, at first I said, no, I'm not angry. And then I sat there and he sat there and he just like sat and looked at me. And finally, I was like, if I kind of admitted to that, I wouldn't know what to do with that.
1: Do you know what I mean? Ah, yeah, yeah. Did you say that to him? Yeah.
0: And then he was like, okay, go, you know, scream into this pillow or, you know, smash something. But I actually do think that what I found was that, like, I did have anger in me. Like, I was very frustrated with my life. Like, I had done all this stuff. And also, too, when we're children, we do suppress a lot of emotions, just based on our circumstances, it's I'm not blaming parents or blaming those circumstances, but we do tend to do that as children. So we can actually take these emotions and we just keep suppressing them. It's like we keep throwing them into like ourself, basically, Mm -hmm. and they kind Mm -hmm. of wreak havoc. And so with fists of anger, though, when I found Kundalini Yoga, and I'm doing a class, and then we come to this practice called fists of anger. (laughs) This really moved the dial for me, I mean, I did fists of anger. I felt different. The fascinating thing about fists of anger is you'll actually feel the practice will start to feel different to you over time. It's like you'll mm-hmm. feel that anger because the anger, actually, you can put it in your cells. You can also put it in your electromagnetic field. You'll actually feel the practice will feel different. So for fists of uh-huh. anger, yeah. So for fists of anger, all it is is you just sit in easy pose. You put the hands into fists. And then you're taking the hands and it's like you're doing a backstroke over your head, but you're doing it pretty fast. And then you breathe heavily, inhale, exhale through an O-shaped mouth. So you're like, mm-hmm. like over the head. And then the mm-hmm. eyes are closed and you focus them at the third eye point. So when you, that's between the eyebrows and slightly up. So when you do that, you're stimulating the pituitary gland. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, so Kundalini Yoga, constantly working the glandular system and it
1: I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: And so as you're doing this, what you're doing is you're moving through this electromagnetic field. It's otherwise referred to as an aura. So that's like kind of like the field that surrounds most people. Or it's not mm-hmm. most of us surrounds everyone. <laughs> everyone
1: <has an> electromagnetic- <laughs> some of us don't have one. <laughs> yeah, everyone
0: has one. Some of, them are smaller. Yeah, some of them are smaller than others, but you're kind of. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. You can actually in kundalini yoga, if you're in a lot of like fear and worry, your field will actually contract. You want the bigger field. So like it extend up to nine feet around the body. You actually want that. You want that bigger field. You don't want it contracted. So in Kundalini Yoga, we can actually expand that the field. But so when you're doing these fists, you're moving through the field. And so it's so interesting when you start doing the practice, if you do have a lot of suppressed emotions, it doesn't have to be just anger. Understanding that anger is on the same spectrum as like sadness and depression. And like they're all in kind of the same spectrum. You'll actually find it'll, it'll seem really hard to do the motion, because you're actually, it's like you're moving through that, you're moving through that field and kind of the congestion in it. As you do it more and more, you'll actually notice it's easier. And it's not just a muscular thing. It's not just a fitness thing. It's actually a you're changing like that field. And then it ends in a particular, like the these practices are quite dynamic. It has a particular ending to it also that kind of solidifies the practice. If you do that for three minutes a day, and I would, you know, I'd recommend doing it for at least like seven days in a row, like kind of really get the momentum going. Oh my goodness, I felt so different. Oh, and so also when you're doing it, you actually bring up whatever you're feeling bad about. You consciously bring it to the surface. And so what happens is, a lot of times people are, they don't want to bring these things to the surface because then it's like, well, what will I do with it? I'll just feel bad. Yeah. So with fists of Anger, you, you actually bring it to the surface. And as you're breathing and you're doing the motion, like these things are being released from you, like you will feel better. And so it gets you to the point where you're like, I don't have to be afraid of these emotions and suppress them. That's huge. I can do the fists of Anger. Yeah. It's such a great practice. And um, the thing about it is you do it, you learn how to do it. You have it for the rest of your life. So you do it, you get rid of all these old suppressed emotions, and now if you're in a situation where you're angry, where you're frustrated, where you're sad, where you're depressed, just sit down and do some fists of anger. And you're gonna feel better. <laughs> you're gonna feel better
1: That's... when you're done.
0: I mean, it's pretty
1: cool. So it's a great tool. Yeah just quickly, easy pose. Is that just sitting?
0: It's just like a cross-legged position on the floor.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
0: For anyone who's like, wait, what is that?
1: Do I lay down? Yeah.
0: Oh, no, no. (laughs) That's a a great question. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. You're just sitting cross-legged on the floor.
1: Great. Oh man. Okay. Well, I want to try this, but I have to make sure no one's around because I feel like it might be strange for people to walk in on that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, for real. I mean, yeah. Do it where you're comfortable
1: doing it. Thanks for sharing that. That is is so cool and it's inspiring and it makes me want to dig in. I do want to shift to hearing about how you went from that point of discovering kundalini yoga and really seeing the impact it's having on your health, on your life, on how you feel into creating something that you designed basically a system, I'll call it. And you can correct me on that as you explain to us exactly what it is. But how did you go from that point to the next?
0: As I... Start doing kundalini yoga, it's like I started to have more clarity of mind. I started to have more energy. I started to feel more inspired. And once I started to kind of like get into those states, then it was like I was able to kind of look back on all of the things that I had done, on all of the things I had been through and be like, okay, like when these didn't seem to really work for me, why didn't they work? And maybe the Mm -hmm. things that did work, why did those work? And then it was like, I started to have clarity as to, okay, why did I feel the way I felt like when I was in my job? And what is actually kind of the truth of the situation? And so basically, what ended up happening is is like, I got more clarity, I felt more inspired. And it was like, everything just started to make more sense to me. And so then I started to like, look at, okay, well, I know kind of what doesn't work now, what is it that does work? And then I just I started focusing on that. I started trying things at myself, like, okay, I'm going to do this and does this work? And then I'm going to try this and does this work? And, you know, I feel like this is the thing that is going to work based on what I've kind of seen in the past. And like, and so I just started trying all these different things. And as I did that, it was like, I was able to bring myself to even greater levels of clarity, have greater energy, have greater creativity and have greater health and be in states of greater like happiness. And so what's basically transpired is I started to share these things with other people that were working for me, these kind of techniques and modalities that I was using. And as I saw that it was working for them, I started to kind of think, okay, well, how do I make this really efficient and effective? Because how do I share this with people in the most efficient and effective way? And so what I did is I created my programs. I created two programs and then I have ongoing coaching. And so that I created those programs so that they have a lot of recorded information. They also include some Kundalini yoga. They also include these particular optimization sessions that I do that give really detailed information about the individual. But it was like all of these things just started to come together for me. And so you know, all of the time I spent where I felt like I wasn't getting results and I wasn't getting the thing I wanted. I see now that was actually very valuable time. I just Mm. didn't see it at the moment. But this is its painful. Yeah, it's painful. Um, But it's all accumulated into these programs that I developed. And they're really just about what's an efficient and effective way for us to be in what I call the truth of who we are, to live the lives where we're energized, where we're in states of abundance, where we're in states of our own creativity, where we're in states where we know our own power, where we're in states where we have good relationships, where we're in states where we're in, you know, situations that we want to be in. So...
1: Yeah, that's how those came about. That's the core of life in the way that you're describing it. And it's interesting how you say, you know, it just started to form for you with all of the difficult, painful work, right? The part where we are unclear, feeling unclear can be really painful. Yes. And I say it that way because it's okay. It's okay to not feel good all the time. Like the pain is part of life. And sometimes we need to go through those like messy figure it out, kind of unclear. We just have to keep taking steps anyway, and find some sort of patience, endurance, whatever it is to get us that energy to get us through that part for that promise on the other side, which is really finding what fits for each of us. And I love how you did that. And now you're giving it back to others. I love what you call it. I love the word optimization, because it feels empowering. That feels like you can become your most true self, your most optimal version of how you want to live, maybe? Is that how you identify with that? or
0: Yes, it's empowering. And so I didn't want it to be from a state of like, you're in this kind of disempowered state and then you... Uh,
1: yes. I yes. don't
0: want people to feel like they're in this currently disempowered state. Like I almost feel like sometimes, I'm not criticizing this, but I'm just like sometimes with the word healing, it's like you want to get to this like kind of... I just don't want to be sick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, what right. What I now know is possible for people... It's not just not to be sick, right? It's not just Mm -hmm. not to be in pain. It's not just not to be in fear, right? It's to be in Mm -hmm. these states where we are reveling in this experience. We are reveling in our own magnificence, where we're reveling in our own creativity, where we're like reveling in how much love that we are And what an amazing thing it is to be in this experience as ourselves. And I feel like what happens is we sometimes we set this kind of low bar for ourselves, which is kind of what I saw when I was practicing, you know what I mean? It's like we have this concept of like, being in states of disease, being in states of worry, being in states of fear, being in states of stress, being in states where we're like, our job's okay, or my relationship is good enough. It's like we've taken these and we've acted like they're normal. These are not normal. These are not our fundamental nature. What they've become is they've become normalized, but they're not normal. And so in these programs, what I'm really setting forth for people and the the reason I use the term optimization is because I'm reaching up here for you because I know that's what's available for you. And believe me, I did not know this was available for myself You know, it is available and we can have such different experiences of our lives. And so in these programs, what I do is I set forth, like just kind of making this very like kind of succinct, but like I set forth first an understanding of like who we are and how we function. And most people might say, well, I think I know who I am and I know how I function. And I would say I would have said the same thing. But if someone's operating, again, in these states of fear, worry, stress, overwhelm, kind of low level of like joy, I would say actually, you know, who you are is something far different from that. But when we understand who we are and how we function, then it's like we can be in these states that are yeah, something that energizes us and excites us and something like that we're excited to be here for. And so, yeah, in the program, what I set forth is like first, like an understanding of like the knowing and the power that we each hold as individuals. And this is critical right now, because what's happening in this like we're in the what's called the technological age, so people call it the Aquarian age where you have this like massive amount of information available to us and massive amounts of opinions. And so it's like, what's kind of the thing that guides us in this? Because even the opinions that you have, like you'll have like scientists, you'll have doctors, you'll have these very reputable people saying opposite things and both Mm -hmm. having reasons for them. So it's like, we need to understand like the knowing and the power that we hold. And then also an understanding of what our unique gifts and talents are, because You know, if someone's kind of feeling depleted in their day and depleted in their energy, what that actually is, is it's them not tapping into and utilizing their own gifts and talents. Because when you utilize those, you're energized. It's actually a way we produce energy. Mm. And then kind of the last part is understanding our own thoughts and our own minds and using those to serve us because what happens a lot of times is we are being controlled by our minds it's almost like we're being imprisoned by them in a sense when they're really meant to serve us in powerful and profound ways and so it's kind of an understanding of all of this and i realized through like my own kind of journey these were kind of the critical things And if I would have understood these, I would have understood who I was, I would have understood my fundamental nature, and I would have also understood too, and I just kind of want to be clear about this, like, I thought the problem was my job, like the problem wasn't my job. It was this lack of me knowing and being who I was, and being in what I would say the truth of who I was. And so it's really transformative, because it's almost like you don't have to change all of your circumstances. You just come into your own being and your own understanding and then like your life transforms. And I've seen that happen for myself time and
1: time again. I'm so grateful you made that point because we did talk a lot about your story and the the front end of this conversation and, and about the job and that you had to leave the job to make these discoveries. But it is important to know That your circumstances are your circumstances Mm -hmm. sometimes. Sometimes we can change them. Sometimes we can't. Sometimes we don't need to, et cetera. So just thank you for bringing it back to that because that is the core message, I think. So I'm really glad you said it.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, I just don't want people to think like, oh, I can only have a different life if I walk away from this career that I've spent years creating. That's not necessarily the case. And two, if I would have known then what I know now, Everything about that would have been such a different experience because I would be different. Right. You know, when I'm different, then my experience is different. And that's what it's such a different like I was always looking for my experience to be different, not me. Right. Right.
1: Very good point to make. I think that's so important to understand that it's about us. It's not about the thing, whatever the thing is Mm -hmm. inside of us. Which is so empowering. It really is.
0: Because... We can change ourselves. And change isn't the best word. It's really us coming into the truth of who we are. But we have the power to do that. It's not like we have to go make this person change or that person change or this thing be different. When we focus on ourselves and bring forth the truth of who we are, our fundamental nature, I mean, that's something we can do. Like, that's certainly within our control. It does take an understanding of how to do it, which I did not understand any of this when I was working, but. It's absolutely transformative to understand it.
1: And it's possible. It's possible for everyone. It's
0: absolutely possible. And it's absolutely, it's possible for everyone. That's really
1: beautiful. I feel like we just answered this question, but I'm going to ask anyway, if there's one thing you hope that someone takes away from this conversation, what would you want that to be?
0: I would want it to be that each person holds within them great knowing, and they can trust that and they can follow that.
1: That's perfect. Thank you. Thank you for that.
0: How can we connect with you? So you can connect with me on my website. It's www.karanicolebatar.com. And on my website is further contact information. If you want to reach out to me in other ways, email. And then I also offer complimentary discovery sessions. So if people are interested in the programs, we can really delve in and talk about what it is that they're wanting and how those programs can help them. And if that's the best fit for them, if that's the thing that's really going to get results for them.
1: Wonderful. I will make sure there are some clickable links in the show notes so they can find you easily. And I just want to thank you for, Sharing your story at, at such detail and helping us really understand what it took to make these discoveries, and that we're all powerful and we all have that in us. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to be here, and it was so fun to get to talk to you. Thank you. Yes, you too.
1: Thank you for listening to Be Will Begin. Make sure to catch our Thursday Small Shifts episodes for five-minute self-reflective small questions that follow a theme in a guided meditation style. Also be sure to click the follow button or checkmark for Beeple Begin on your favorite podcast app to add it to your library so each episode downloads automatically. And if you'd like to stay connected for workshops and all Beeple Begin offers, and get a free guide to working with fear and imposter syndrome. You can go to fearimposter.avanthousemedia.com or click the link in the show notes. Stay safe and keep creating.